Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, final non-binding bids are due today for the purchase of the team, but the favorites, the Remington Group, has pulled out at the last moment. And it's time for our final exit interviews. We're done with all the players. Now, the coach and the GM are up for review. And we took one day off Friday, and both Canadian teams disappeared from the Stanley Cup playoffs. All of it is brought to you by the Game Time app. Create an account, download the app, and use code LOCKEDONNHL, and you'll get $20 off your first ticket purchase. It's the Game Time app. Download it today. Code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off at Game Time. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 798 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you download yours, including on YouTube, where we posted some exit interviews over the weekend. Claude Giroux, Tim Stutzla, Brady Kachuk. Go catch up on those. And remember, leave a comment below. We always appreciate the interactions on YouTube and Twitter at Send Central. Today is Monday, May 15th. Pilsy, we have a packed week on today's show. On today's episode, we have the ownership saga could be reaching a conclusion. But let's start with the blue team. Where were you when the puck went in the net and ended their hopes at the cup? I was watching at home gleefully, Ross. Word of the day, gleefully. Pretty sure that's a word. Let's start that off strong. Um, oh, you got it for us? Here we go. Gleefully, in an exuberantly or triumphantly joyful manner. Gleefully. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, I, we could even put in gleef, like leaf, maybe we could work that in, but uh, that's probably pushing it. But yeah, I was, I was pretty fired up about that, Ross, because... I mentioned it to you. This is the way I wanted it to happen. Yes, the sweep would have been nice, but I wanted Leafs fans to have hope. It's the hope that kills them. Then they had a little bit of hope winning one game, coming back to Toronto, and sunk. Overtime loss, series over, season over, and you got to hand it to the Florida Panthers. They were battling to hang on to that game, and then in overtime, Nick Cousins gets it done. So... The We Want Florida chance may be one of the most satisfying old takes exposed of this NHL season, Ross. And as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, the Toronto media taking it very well, the loss. Of course. Have you you seen this yet, Pilsy? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, that looks like something that uh, like a grade eight uh, would have done for like a, a project or something, but it gets the message across. Sheldon Keefe is all time hilarity here. Same with uh, Brendan Shanahan reaching, just reaching 
my goodness, the Toronto Sun never ceases to amaze whether uh, good or bad. Yeah, uh, usually bad. Steve Simmons wrote the article. Shocker. Oh, great. Well. But uh, yeah, Pelzi, blue team elimination has come and gone. We expected oh. that. But did you expect the Oilers to bow out in six games to Vegas? No, I did not, Ross. I I didn't stay up for that game, uh, late game here for us in Eastern time zone. So I was like, okay, I'll wake up in the morning and uh, see when game seven is going to be. Nope. The Oilers are out as well. And not because of lack of effort. I checked the the box score after. They outshot the Knights 40-22. to 22. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle playing over 24 minutes each. Whew. Yeah, not a recipe for success long term, though. They were averaging over a minute and five seconds per shift, uh, whereas nobody on Vegas averaged over 50 seconds per shift. I watched that full game last night, Pilsy, and it was uh, it was a two-man army against an entire team. And, and Vegas comes at you in waves. They're, uh, they're ridiculously talented. And on the road this postseason, they're 2-1 and one in Edmonton. They're 2-0 and oh in Winnipeg. Like... Road dogs this playoffs, Ross. I feel like if we looked at all the road uh, winners, it would be way more than home winners. Well, yeah. I mean, Toronto went one and five at home in the playoffs. And Florida? Yeah. Very interesting. So the uh, semifinals are almost set. We've got a game seven tonight. Dallas and Seattle will determine who gets to play Vegas. You know, Vegas has been a four Western Conference finals in six years. That's so insane. Our friends over at Locked On Canucks noted that's more than the Canucks have been to the conference finals, and they got a team in 1970. Wow. When you put it in that perspective, that's insane. Well, it's more than Ottawa, too. Ottawa's been three times. Uh, Yeah, but Ottawa only came around in the 90s, Ross. The the (laughs) 70s, that's a whole lot uh, longer. But, yeah, that's crazy. And it's also wild, Ross, that we could get a Western Conference final of the two expansion teams. My God. Yeah, hot seat, all the long-term GMs in the league. We're going to get to one of the longest-serving GMs in the National Hockey League coming up in a little bit. Yes, we have some Sens news to discuss as well, but uh, Pilsy's Eastern Conference Final, Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, but they're awaiting the result of tonight's Game 7, and then we'll get schedules of when the Conference Finals will begin. Tough second round, lots of blowouts, but that Edmonton game last night was pretty solid. They had a a little bit of a push in the third period. Aiden Hill made the saves when he had to, and bingo, bango, bongo. We've got Vegas in the Western Conference final again, and they did it with Laurent Brassois and Aiden Hill. So, does that change your perspective of how Ottawa needs to attack the summer when it comes to getting a goaltender? Uh, A little bit, Ross, but not entirely, because I think, well... I don't know. At the start of the year, I wouldn't have labeled either one of those guys a 1A goalie. I think it would have labeled both of them as 1B. So maybe it does, actually, now that I'm just kind of saying that out loud. Maybe the Ottawa Senators don't need a 1A goalie. Maybe they just need a tandem of two 1Bs because Forsberg is a 1B goalie. Like I would say him and Laurent Brossoin are actually probably the best comparables you can find for one another. So yeah, that could end up working out. Even Grubauer, I'd say, is a 1B, but he's just playing red hot, right? It's getting hot at the right time. And then you've got a couple, um, well, one, Jake Ottinger will be highly paid. And then Sergei Bobrovsky, sure, he's played poorly a little bit the last couple of years, but uh, still a $10 million guy. So those guys, and then Carolina, they play so well defensively. I mean, they've kind of rolled a tandem of Freddie Anderson and Anthony Rant all year. And I mean, they could put David Ayers in net and win hockey games. Oh, wait, they did that. 
Oh, yeah. Depends on the plan. All right. Coming up next, let's get into the Sens ownership. The latest on that, the Remington group is out. That means Ryan Reynolds, for now, is sitting on the sidelines. The final non-binding bids. That I hate the word non-binding, Pilsy. Let's get this thing binded, wrapped up, signed, <laughs> sealed, delivered, stamped, all of that approved. Let's get this ownership show on the road. Enough with the rumors. Let's get the facts Next, you're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Athletic Greens. Ross, you know I love my Athletic Greens. Just about to finish off today's scoop. And I say scoop because that's it. It's one scoop in your cup of water every morning, Ross. It's so simple. Even a guy like me can get it done. And it's helping me be a little bit more healthy. Actually, not just a little bit more healthy. That is understatement of the year Ross because when you have a scoop of AG1 in your glass of water every morning you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals uh, source superfoods probiotics and more so you can start your day off right just like me this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus aging all these things and it's lifestyle friendly, so it's good for everyone. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, guys. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance from Athletic Greens. Today's episode is also brought to you by the best place in Ottawa. It's Shawarma Palace. You know we love Shawarma Palace so much. I just booked my next trip to Ottawa. We've got some things planned for the podcast, but we also know that every stop in Ottawa means a stop or two or three at Shawarma Palace. You know that you're going to get high-quality ingredients. You know you're going to get an enormous portion that can feed the whole family. Get the platter. Get the shawarma platter with the chicken, the extra garlic. I love it. I go there all the time. My favorite stop is the one on Rideau Street, but you're never too far from a shawarma palace. They've got one in Orleans. They've got one in the Saint Laurent Shopping Center. If you're in the East End, if you're out West, no problem at all. They've got you covered everywhere you go. Southside, Carleton University Food Court. How are you? Bank and Hunt Club. They are all over the place. They're also exclusively partnered with Uber Eats. You can get it delivered right to your house. Go eat like a royal. Eat at Chawarma Palace. So delicious, so tasty, so economical. There is no better place to get a bite and fill your fuel than at Chawarma Palace. So go eat like a king. Eat at Shawarma Palace today. Shawarma Palace, seven Ottawa locations. Go eat like a king and tag us on Twitter at Send Central and let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. All right, Pilsy. Bit of a fire fest for me right now I'm dealing with. Uh oh. Yeah. My apartment building, uh, they put in a new system for the buzz code. Oh. And I didn't get it updated in time. So my athletic greens order 
was returned to sender. Oh, wait. No, won't it go to like a post office that you got to pick it up now? Yeah, it's I'm like two steps behind that. I like I panicked. I was like, nope, send it to this pop up shop. And, and then turns out that's closed for the next week. So I need to figure it out. I need yeah, to figure it out. Because Ross, that was. Do I look like I've had my vitamins? No, you you do not look like you've had vitamins. That's for sure. You could look a whole lot better with one scoop of AG1 in your cup of water every morning. Let me tell you. I, that. I'm on I'm on the Matt Murray vitamin routine right now, but I <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. Hey, congrats are in order. Stick taps are in order. Tyler Clevin, championships. We like that. Team USA has added Tyler Clevin. They've already played two games, but he's in the mix now. He's heading over to Latvia. And funny enough, he's he's the only player who played on the Sens last year who's taking part in the tournament. We know Yuri Smekal will be a part of the Sens organization going forward. He's there with Czechia, but a very good opportunity for him. We saw a similar thing with Jacob Bernard Docker a couple of years ago. He got his gold medal, didn't play much, but we'll see if Tyler Clevin gets a, a regular shift here for Team USA. Yeah, that'd be great. And I mean, for Tyler Clevin, like, I think it's it's just about get as much experience and experience up against other grown men and professionals as you can right now. Because in my mind, I think he's going to end up playing a good chunk of next season in Belleville. So this is kind of a good... Um, Good quality scale for AHL hockey, the the world. So I think it's a great move for Tyler Clevin and a great move for Team USA. We love to see it. I'm excited to see Tyler Clevin. I hope he goes to a Sens development camp this summer. I don't because th- he hasn't been to one yet, right? No, Last he hasn't. Summer, there's the un- unfortunate timing of of a passing in his family, so he had to miss it. I would I would love to see him there. I mean, he, play, he played eight games. Yeah, they were in the NHL, but I think he should be there at uh, at Dev Camp this year and. There's not a whole lot of like big name players because the Sens obviously will get to Pierre Dorian trading away some draft picks, but there's not really that next wave of top top end guys. Like Ridley Gregg, to me, I'm on the fence. Like he's this was only his first year pro though. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Been, he could even be at Dev Camp this year. I'm interested yeah. to see the lineup. I, I think yeah, the players that are really going to kind of provide some uh, some pop, some interest. Ridley Gregg, Zach Stapchuk, I think is going to be a big one. Well, I've got a confirmation from Philip Nordberg, the Sens first pick last year, 64th overall or 62nd, 64th overall, um, that he will be there. He missed last year's tournament. There's just a scheduling conflict. He will be at Sens Dev Camp, the mysterious, the mythical creature of Philip Nordberg. So I'm really looking forward to that. Will the Sens have a new owner by Dev Camp, which will be the first week of July? I will tell because the timeline has been pushed back and back and back. Pillsy, it was Murphy's Law. We announced on Thursday we were taking a a personal, professional development day. And, of course, we got big news that Ryan Reynolds is out for now. I'm still not convinced that this isn't just a bit of posturing. And I, I completely understand from the Senators and the Galactico. the, the Galatio, I think. Galatio. Galactico is kind of cooler. We could rebrand them, make them some more money. <laughs> they need it. But um, no, I, I really understand from their perspective. So the Remington group allegedly asked for an exclusive negotiating window with the NCC and the city of Ottawa to, to get a permit for the land at Le Breton. It's taken people six years and they haven't gotten any permits for Le Breton Flats. They thought they could do it in two weeks and get an exclusive deal. If you're also bidding on this team, how could you possibly allow that to happen where one preferred group before the final bid 
gets to have that that extra say. Yeah, it's very obvious that the other bidders would be like, uh, <laughs> we're not cool with this. Like, this doesn't seem uh, fair, but also life is not fair. That's one thing everybody needs to learn. But, like, the one thing is, Ross, I kind of don't blame them, though. Like, they're the front runners. They've not got more. the big name. They they had been the front runners the whole time. And they're like, look, we're not about to buy a hockey team for a billion shekels and not know where we can put a new arena. So give us an exclusive window so we can figure out if LeBreton Flats works or if I'm blanking on the other area they were looking at, Ross. Uh, you're the Ottawa area guy. Maybe you remember. It was in Ian Mendez's article. I forget. Um, but they were looking at another area in Ottawa that they could also put the arena. And they were trying to make sure that if they were about to spend a billion dollars on buying a hockey team, and then they were going to spend God knows how much more building a new arena, that they would be able to get it under the terms that they wanted. So I kind of don't blame them there, but it's kind of funny that they were like, you're going to give preference and uh, exclusive options to us, right? Like, no, no, forget those other guys. Like, we're going to have this opportunity for a couple weeks uh, on, our, on our own, right? That's That's my understanding of it, at least. And then when they were told, no, we will not be doing that for you, they're like, well, we're out. Yeah, well, Bruce Garriock and Ian Mendez are, are kind of the two horsemen who have been all over this one. Um, and, yeah, right now it seems that, that that Reynolds is out. But I, I'm just convinced. I mean, he's been a part of this since the absolute beginning, day yeah. one. It just feels weird that on day 190, out of 194 before the final bids are in, it's like, you know what, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just convinced that there's more to the story here. And of course, we're not privileged to understand all of it behind the scenes. So we'll just react as it comes out. But there's been a lot of posturing, a lot of moves, a lot of fluffing up, a lot of makeup, uh, you know, a lot of celebrity additions. So I'm convinced that there's there's some level of negotiating in this tactic. And we'll find out sooner rather than later. I, I, I don't think it will be today the day that the bids are submitted, but you can bet Bruce Garriock's going to be on the phone probably 21 out of 24 hours today, trying to piece together this puzzle. And uh, I'm curious, I think we should have Garriock back on to discuss the, his, his angle, like how he's able to kind of dig through all these different groups. It seems like we could have upwards of six bids today. Michael and Lauer, is the presumed favorite at this point, in my opinion. He sits on the board of governors right now in the NHL. We know Bettman likes kind of keeping it in-house to an extent. The Kimmel family, that's the one that The weekend is attached with, they used to own part of the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've been on the board of governors in the past. I feel like that gives them an in. And then you have the wild card, the Nico Sparks group, where I still don't understand quite like how he made all of his money. But we know that they're backed by the Rubin family. They've got 16, I believe, investors. Britain, U.S., Canada, Matthias Nordstrom, James Neal, the real deal. James Neal apparently yeah. is in the mix. Like they, It just seems like so many cooks in the kitchen in that group. But apparently they were the highest bidder in round one, $920-some million. So you can't discount them either. There is a ton of interest, and we'll see. I'm I'm so curious what the final price is going to be for this team. We'll find out soon, Pilsy. Yeah, and it's important to note that uh, it's uh, reported that the Nico Sparks group have reached out to Reynolds and say, hey, 
I know you're out with the Remington group, but you are welcome to join our group as well. So you talk about cooks in the kitchen. Well, they're, they're looking to add another sous chef, Ross, to this one. Like Eugene Melnick had an owner's box. They're going to have to take the whole ring of boxes just to keep all the owners happy next year. If, yeah, if, no kidding. Yeah. Right? I mean, holy. So, uh, yeah, we'll continue to follow this and track it, but we're not pretending to be insiders. Like if, if we do get a little nugget here or there, we will share it. But we're, we're at the edge of our seat just like you, just waiting to find out who will be the next owner of the Ottawa Senators. Could there be a new GM? Could there be a new head coach? Those discussions will happen as the dominoes fall with ownership, but we can look back at the season that was for Pierre Doria and DJ Smith. Let's do that on the other side. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. The reason there was no show on Friday is because I was at a Blink-182 concert with tickets I got from Game Time because you might think it's just sports. No, they do sports, music, comedy, and theater you can get any tickets and the best part is it's last minute deals and no stress i'm a big no stress guy so game time is where i like to go because you don't need to worry about planning months in advance you can get your tickets quickly on game time and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price in fact if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference and you get images of your seat before you purchase, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, one, two, and boom, they're directly on your phone. You don't need to dig through your email. No dusting off the old printer and finding ink cartridges to print stuff off. It's easy. So download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, guys, create an account, redeem code locked on NHL for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, Pilsy. By the way, friend of the show, Wayne Scanlon. Now writing with uh, Sportsnet, legend in Ottawa. He writes that we could find out as early as Wednesday who the new owner of the Ottawa Senators is, Pilsy. Wouldn't that be a little treat for episode 800 of the Locked On Senators podcast? It really would be, Ross, but I anticipate on Wednesday we're going to find out when the next date to expect the owners to be announced. It's kind of like, you know, when the NFL, they have... um, the date for when the release is going to be yeah. <laughs> that I think, I feel like that's the territory we're in here. Yeah. And, and fair enough too. I'd rather they take it uh, very slow and get it right. But of yes. course we're getting anxious here as well, kicking and screaming and, and wondering what's going to happen next, not only in the owner suite, but beyond in the bench and up in the GM's chair. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the head coach or the GM? Let's start on the bench. Let's start on the bench. Today's exit interview, we will begin with DJ Smith. DJ Smith, one of the longest serving coaches in the NHL right now. Full pause. Eh? Yeah. That's like that to me is 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 quite telling right now when you're looking at how often these jobs turn around. He is one, two, three, four, five, six, the seventh 
longest serving coach. He's coached 209 games with the Ottawa Senators. And this past season was the first time that he finished with an above 500 record. NHL 500, may I add. 39 wins, 35 losses, 8 overtime losses. DJ Smith has one year left on his contract, plus a team option after that. Pilsy, how would you describe DJ Smith's last 12 months behind the Senators' bench? Uh, It's tough because it's really the tale of the start and the finish, right? For DJ Smith, like the start as it has been for almost every single year of his time behind the bench of the Ottawa Senators was God awful. There's no other way around it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no, we can't put lipstick on the pig of this one, Ross, because the start of his seasons are terrible. And most of the time the Sens are out of playoff contention right around American Thanksgiving, which is absolutely wild to think. So that's tough. And then, the end of the seasons for him are actually typically pretty good as the end of the rebuilding seasons. There was always kind of an uptick and the Sens were hot and making you think they're going to carry this momentum into next season. That never really worked. But this year, Ross, I will put an asterisk on the end of this season because there was just so many guys injured. And then the middle, throughout the middle of the season, it was just a constant roller coaster ride. The ups, the downs. Like, Ross, we declared the season dead. We were both fully convinced the season's dead. We need to look at a changing coach. We were spinning the lottery wheel in, I think, January. And then everything changed. This team got hot. They're, they had aspirations at the trade deadline. They made a big move. But then, basically, the injury list grew more than the games won list, unfortunately, at the end. Yeah, it was hilarious when you mentioned January because they had that two-week stretch. They were just getting pumped over and over. Seattle beats them 8-4 in Ottawa. Then they get shut out at home 3-0. They beat Arizona on the road. Then lose 7-0 in Colorado. Then lose in St. Louis. Beat Pittsburgh barely in overtime. Then lose to Pittsburgh 4-1. Lose to Winnipeg 5-1. And we're like, oh my God, what is going on here? But nothing like a couple rivalry games to spark the team. The Senators beat the Islanders, then beat the Leafs in Toronto 6-2, get back-to-back enormous wins over Montreal, 5-0 and then 5-4, and it was a couple late goals by Montreal in that game. And it just kind of carried the momentum all the way through till really when when the injuries started piling up. And then, I mean, the Chicago game was was really kind of where everything fell apart. Oh, I know. Three of the season. And they still battled to an extent where they won those four out of six games in uh, in the middle of March, where it's like, wait, are they making one final push? Turns out, no, they weren't. But it was that last little kind of end-of-life push where it was like, okay, are, are they okay? I don't know. They're, they're acting normal right now. So we'll see what the summer brings for DJ Smith. I think a lot of reflection will have to be um, – will have to be his for in terms of defensive structure. And and it's such a buzzword in terms of like, what do you mean by that? I think that the easiest way to put it is he, he just, just has them collapse a little too much. Like I'd like to see them play a little bit more aggressively in their own zone and, and be smarter with the puck. I feel like too often DJ is a proponent of let's just chip it, just chip it, like get, live to fight another day a little bit more. But the senators have so many high possession 
type players, especially high up in their lineup. I'd like to see them hold on to pucks a little bit more and be able to be a little more creative, especially in the neutral zone and, and not having to just kind of dump and chase over and over again. And I think people are probably a little too unfair with saying like, Oh, they just dump and chase. Like a lot of NHL teams do that. It's, it's kind of a tried and true type play. And not only in terms of going and retrieving pucks, but also in terms of like wearing down your opponent over the course of a 60 minute game. So I'm not as kind of hung up on, I don't need them to, to carry the puck across the blue line over and over and over again. But I would like to see less panic in their game when they're in their own half of the ice. That's probably where, where I would look first if I'm DJ Smith or if I'm a fan talking to DJ Smith about how he can improve for next season. Yeah, the, the only thing I would kind of counter with that, Ross, is this decor is never really fully healthy. Like there was always like like Zub was gone for a while, Hamnick, Shabbat, Chikrin. Like they were never really able to get a, a proper healthy full decor, and that makes things tough. And the thing is, I'm not so much um, of the mind that they need to dump or, or and chase less or more, or they need to carry the puck in less or more. The thing is, I want them to be able to do all three options. They need to be all available, right? Like a team that's defending the line when Ottawa's attacking can't be like, oh, we know they're going to dump and chase. We know they're going to carry it in. Or what Ottawa never seems to do really is find a passing option to enter the zone. Like all three of those need to be an option at all times to keep teams on their toes at the line. And I think that's where the Sens really struggled is they kind of had a premeditated idea what they're going to do with the puck when they're still in their own zone or in the neutral zone where you need to have those options to keep it tricky on other teams. So I think that's what's tough. Uh, DJ Smith, the fans graded him at C, I believe it was 54.2%. So a lot of fans... Not loving DJ Smith, but not kind of bringing the hammer down on him either. Personally, Ross, I gave him a B minus, and I know everyone's tired of hearing about it, but the asterisk is the injuries. I mean, like, what can you do? Like, Ross, if people need to be reminded of how tough this got for the Ottawa Senators, for a decent, what, two-week stretch, the Ottawa Senators goaltending tandem was Mad Sogard and Kevin Mandelese, who had a combined, what, five NHL games played between them? Less. Yeah, one point is three. Three. Yeah. So, like, I mean, and that's not to put anything on those guys. I'm not saying it's the goalie's fault. I'm just saying it is wild that a head coach is expected to have success when these are your options. I completely agree. Look at the decor at the end of the year. They're trotting yeah. out a bunch of 20s, like a bunch of 20-year-olds. They're a bunch of kids. that the, They had a pair of Jacob Bernard Docker and, and Tyler Clevin, and I thought yeah. they both handled themselves well, but these are these are inexperienced. And I, I have trouble because I understand the frustration from some fans, but I also think that there are some some valuable things to, uh, to note that kind of turn DJ Smith into a bit of a brighter light. So we're not here to, to kind of pound down. I'm not going to rant and rave. Oh, they got to change DJ Smith. I think that's kind of a scapegoat type move for this season. I think you look at a 13 point improvement from year over year, the, the highest jump that they've had of, of recent years. So I think that you're looking at going in the right direction. I have them as a B, just a straight B. I think that there's definitely room for improvement. I also think that there's some things that bother me. 
So I'm curious to see how he improves. I think the DJ handled himself really well in his interview with Ian Mendez last week. It was kind of a, you know, it was fair questions by Ian, right? Ian's not uh, not there to be his friend. He's there to kind of do his job as a journalist and say, hey, look, a lot of t- fans don't have faith in you. And we'll, we'll talk to Ian next week once he recovers from his jet lag. Lots of great stuff from him overseas. But um, the fan survey, a lot of people did not think highly of DJ Smith's future uh, endeavors with Ottawa, like it, that he's the coach to bring them a Stanley Cup. But he just said, he's like, man, like, have I really had a roster to do it? consistently and and no he's he's got a point like you can you yeah. can say this you can say that and i know a lot of people will point to to alex to this year oh he didn't play with timmy i mean he had so many looks and i think it's the coach's job to get these players looks and get them in the right spot dj smith didn't hit 15 posts this year alex to did so i don't want to hear that dj smith is at fault for alex to struggles this year I just I don't have time for that. I don't have time to to hear that because I I do think that there's a very strong bond between the players and DJ. And I think that if the players had an issue, and we saw that with Claude Giroux and Alex DeBrinket having that long conversation at the whiteboard after practice, this is not um, a one man show in Ottawa. I really think DJ Smith is good at bringing his assistants and bringing his players into what the best way of thinking is. Now, maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe that's a too many cooks in the kitchen type thing as well. And uh, we have heard a little bit of criticism that maybe DJ kind of copies other coaches' styles rather than having his own. And, hey, he's been in the NHL eight years. He's been a head coach for four now, all with Ottawa. The first two years, I mean, look at those rosters and make your own assumptions for what kind of talent level they had. But this upcoming year, like, I – I'm a hundred percent on board. And I know that in the heat of moments in the past that I've said, no, he's got it. Like they need a change. If for anything else, they got to spark this team. They got to kind of get that new coach bump. But I think you have to come back with him in September. I think that you bring him in with the shortest leash possible. 12 games. If they're not above 500, after 12 games, well, they're going to Sweden. Probably we don't have the full schedule, but we know they're going in mid-November. Yep. That is going to be about 15 games into the season. If you're not in a place you're happy with by then, got to change it up. So I, that's kind of where I'm at. Give him a short leash, but I do think he deserves a chance with a full healthy roster in training camp and see where it goes. Yep, I agree with you. And the beauty of this, Ross, is right now DJ Smith's contract is kind of perfect for for that leash because he has one year plus a team option and you never want to have a lame duck coach because, and you never want to have a lame duck GM too, where they're on their last year of their deal. Oftentimes the teams won't allow that because then you're not really thinking towards the future. You're, you're kind of just stuck now where you always need to be in now and, and a bit of the future. So that's a good place for DJ Smith to be. And I agree with you. I think if by Sweden, they're not right around 500, then changes need to be made here. But the thing is, this isn't a coach that's lost the room because of lack of success. I still feel and believe that these guys will run through a brick wall for DJ Smith. I feel like they think that he he's a guy that helps them and he's helped players develop. But can he get it done in playoff contention in when they're not just playing for meaningful games when it's it's playoffs or bust and I know Dorian hasn't said it but we've said it the fans feel it it's it's time now it's been long enough 
We're going to go through Dorian's trades. They've traded enough draft capital to show that they're not worried about the draft and that's not how they're building this team anymore. So it's it's go time here for the Ottawa Senators. And it's going to be a very interesting season to see because it all hinges on how this team starts. Any improvement in the following categories and the Sens are a playoff team next year. Goals four per game, they're 18th. And remember, the top 16 teams, give or take, because East and West, there's a bit of fluctuation there. But for the most part, top 16 teams. Florida was 17th. That's why I had to kind of put a caveat there. Ottawa was 18th in goals for this year. They were 20th in goals against per game. They had the 8th best power play in the National Hockey League. They had the 14th best penalty kill that was top 10 for most of the year until Travis Hamanick. I know people don't want to hear it, but until Travis Hamanick got hurt, and then they were one of the worst team on the penalty kill after Travis Hamanick got hurt. But they finished their 14th. Shots per game, their 7th. That's why we've been talking about all these Corsi numbers. Everybody's over 50%, which wouldn't have been the case in years past, and they allowed the 18th most shots per game. So they're right in that 15 to 20 range in almost every category. It's just about getting another step. And I think they're on the right track. So I know some people aren't going to want to hear this. That's fine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but I think you bring back DJ Smith and you, you get, you give him homework this summer and you say, look, figure out the start of the season. If it has to change how you conduct training camp, Maybe don't play in five provinces this time, though. Maybe, like... Honestly. Well, well, Ross, right now, DJ Smith's doing an out-of-class assignment in the world, so he's getting some more coaching experience there. And we'll see how DJ Smith comes back. But let us know in the comments, what is the area of improvement you need to see most from DJ Smith going into next season? Curious to hear the answers here on YouTube. All right, now let's get to the general manager, the man pulling the strings Behind the stage, it's Pierre Dorian. Pierre Dorian, also one of the longest-serving general managers in the NHL. He's been in his position since 2016. Pilsy, only eight general managers, soon to be seven because David Poyle will be retiring in July, have held their seat longer than Pierre Dorian. April 10th, 2016. I think he's shown improvement year over year. And of course, where the Senators are also has an impact in this. But over the last 12 months, he has turned into a guy who wants to add, 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 add at the cost of draft picks, sure. But he, without saying it, being a playoff team, his moves have all indicated that this needs to be a playoff team next year. Although they do have their first round pick, they have traded... Not this upcoming draft, but next year's I'm talking. But they have traded so much draft capital, they have to be a playoff team. But like, how would you assess him over the last 12 months? And I extended that because we should. It's unfair not to include the extensions for Josh Norris and Tim Stutzla, as well as the additions of Alex Dabrinkit and Claude Giroux. Plus, I mean, Jacob Chikrin and others. Well, you mentioned a lot of the additions there, Ross, but subtractions are almost as important as well, which is unfortunate that he had to do some subtracting and uh, get rid of draft capital to do them. But that's also important. But Ross, for me, I voted, uh, I graded Pierre Dorian at a B. (laughs) There he is right there. If you're watching on YouTube, that's uh, Pierre Dorian and our very own Ross Levitan. Yeah, who's that handsome guy taking up all the screen time? (laughs) Uh, but I have Pierre Dorian at a B plus grade for me because the thing is Ross he took some 
big, big swings on Alex Dabrinkit and Jacob Tricken. No prospects lost. No players off the roster lost. And, which is really nice to see, online the general consensus from people that don't cover the Sens are saying both of those deals for Dabrinkit and Chikrin at the times they were made were absolute steals. And I think most Sens fans would agree. So he's really done a good job of finding the right time and being patient and sticking to his guns when it comes to those big swings. And with the Jacob Chikrin deal, I think it, it really paid off. Pelzi, I'm going, I'm going full front a minus for me. Oh, okay. For Pierre Dorian, because how often do stars get moved in the league? Pretty decent. How often do you not give up a single player off of your prospect list for them? Yeah, for not real. often. Pierre Dorian held firm on his his offer for Jacob Chikrin. He didn't believe that he was going to get him based on his final offer, but he held firm, did not part with players he did not want to part with, and ended up getting his guy. Of course, Claude Giroux, maybe a bit of an asterisk. He wanted to come home, and that obviously played a role in it. Still got him. Still got him. Still, re- hey, if the fish bites your line, if you pull him in, you still caught the fish. Even yeah, if it- don't apologize for that. Yeah. Oh, no, don't apologize at all. So the fact that he's been able to add three star level players between Debrinket, and we'll see what happens with his future, Claude Giroux and Jacob Chikrin, in the last 12 months, that's more stars than any other team in the league has added. Is that fair to say? I, maybe I'm forgetting someone, but three. Like a I lot think of that's players. fair. Maybe the Boston Bruins, uh, but they didn't add the stars like Ottawa Senators did. Well, in terms of term, right? Like yeah. They added guys who were on expiring deals. Like these are, these are guys that are being brought into the core of the team. And we'll, again, we'll see if Debrinkit resigns long-term. We'll see. But I just think that's so impressive. Now, where, where he loses the A or A-plus is that, the lack of doing something in goal as a stopgap when, and the timing sure was a bit different. They were on a bit of a high right there and Mads was at the top of his game, but knowing that Cam Talbot was inconsistent and injured all year, I think that they could have used one of these like, you know, stopgap goalies at the deadline so that they weren't trotting out Mads in tough situations over and over again when they needed wins down the stretch. I think that would have been a good move. And the bottom six just got stale. And we'll see. That's got to be number one job this summer is, look, you've added the top end guys. And again, maybe number one is keeping your own guys signed. And we'll see about that. But in terms of externally, like you have to improve that bottom six. It can't be guys who have one goal, two goals all year. I know that's not what they're there for in the bottom six, but I also think you need to improve that going forward and they they need the save percentage for the team to come higher i think that's a reasonable ask and uh we'll see what pierre dorian does in goal because again that's a a kind of a a tricky situation he's taken two swings at and unfortunately neither of them have connected they've both been line drive out at least this time there's no extra term like the four-year deal they gave matt murray right off the bat i think he's learned from a lot of mistakes that he's made he had to pay for those mistakes though pilsey and that's another problem that, that he's kind of, you know, giving out draft picks to get rid of the Nikita Zaitsevs and the Matt Murrays. And, you know, buying out Colin White is now affecting the cap for the next couple of years. And there, there's there's some good, there's some bad, but just the star power they've added is why I'm happy to give Pierre Doria an A- minus for me. Yeah, I mean, his summer was incredible, that's for sure. And sure, the subtractions, you're looking at that being like, ah, that sucks. But 
he needed to do those. Like I, I, I think if he doesn't do those and pay the price to make those subtractions, Ross, then you're bringing his grade down even more. Cause I mean, Matt Murray had to go and and imagine being a team celebrating acquiring Matt Murray and then not using him when you need him in the playoffs. I don't know. That's uh, that's, that's certainly one decision, but anyways. Uh, and then Nikita Zaitsev, look, you basically swap out his contract with Jacob Chikrin. So in the end, I'm not willing to dock him too many points for that. And if you're watching on YouTube, the graphic Ross just pulled up. It is insane the amount of movement that Pierre Dorian does. And obviously, this is the year we're talking about, so it's big, the last 12 months. But just, Ross, throughout his tenure as GM of the Ottawa Senators, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say since 2016, no general manager. I'll even go further saying no team has made as many trades as Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators. It's wild. So what's next to you for Pierre Dorian? Number one concern is, well, hmm. the number one concern is goaltending. But you cannot do anything. Ross, you can't do a single thing until you figure out Alex Debrinket, in my opinion. Even, even tidying up the RFAs, you can't, you can't really accomplish until you figured out what you're doing with Debrinket. Because he's the first domino. Once they decide what they do with him, all the other dominoes start falling and you start figuring out and getting things lined up. So it's unfortunate that that's kind of out of stalemate, but for Alex to it, it's fair. He wants to meet the new owners and, and see what's going on with them. And there's not really a lot of uh, security in knowing is Pierre Dorian going to be here or not because the new owners aren't here. So really this off season, you got to figure out what you're doing with the got to figure out what you're doing in goal and then the bottom six I've mentioned this I think you got to bring in one veteran grinder just to kind of replace Austin Watson and then the rest of it I'm expecting and anticipating it's going to be solved internally because this team is getting close to the cap ceiling Ross it sounds wild to say but you cannot be spending money on bottom six guys that might not work out. You just can't be doing it with your needs in other areas and the money you're now spending. So that's how I see the offseason going, Ross. The number one move that Pierre Dorian has made is the Tim Stutzla extension. It doesn't even kick in until this upcoming season. Eight years at 8.35 is ridiculous. There's no other way to put it. No, it's incredible, especially Ross considering – the cap is expected to go up, so that's going to happen. Because really, I think people get so concerned on the cap hit when we should be looking more at the percentages. That's actually more important. Is what percentage of the cap are these players taking? Because it's a constant moving goalpost, right? So I think that's what we need to look at, and that percentage is going to look better and better and better as Tim Stutzer goes on. And if Pierre Dorian waits and has to make that deal this summer... You think Tim Stutzla and his agent are settling for eight years at 8.3 and change? Not a goddamn chance. He's getting much closer to $10 million a year, even on an eight-year contract. So, yeah, that, that's a great point you bring up, Ross. That might be the greatest move in Ottawa Senators franchise history. I know that sounds insane. It's already the richest deal in Ottawa Senators franchise history, but it might end up still... Being the, it's the gift that keeps on giving for sure, and we are friggin' stoked that that's what fell into the Sens' lap <laughs> third overall 
in 2020. Drafting, you can say what you want about the 2021 draft, at least to this point, but we'll see going forward what Pierre Dorian does with a busy summer ahead. Leave a comment below. Let us know what you think Pierre Dorian's biggest needs are this summer and how you would grade his last 12 months. I don't want to get into, you know, two, three, four years ago. These are exit interviews from this past season for Pierre Dorian. All right, wrapping up today's show, Pilsy, any final thoughts? Final thoughts are, Ross, this is going to be one hell of a Game 7 tonight between Seattle and Dallas. Like, these two teams are matched up very good, and now that the rest of the other three conference final teams are set, it's all eyes on this game. So I'm going to be staying up to watch this one, even though it's an 8 o'clock start, so not that bad. So I'm fired up for this one. So with that said, I'm going to talk some playoffs, but I'm going to the WHL. It's 1-1 Ooh. between the Winnipeg Ice and Seattle Thunderbirds. And our boy, Carson Latimer, Lats, what a snipe for the game winner in game one. So we love to see that stick taps to Lats, and that series shifts to Seattle for Tuesday. So another Sens prospect. And they got to sign him in three weeks, and Pierre Dorian loves winners. So let's see if this is going to be kind of a, a final push to get a contract for Carson Latimer. Tomorrow. We will get into a conversation that sparked plenty of debate on Twitter at Send Central. What is the ceiling for Alex DeBrinket's cap hit? Put term aside, what is the most that you can add to the Senators' cap with Alex DeBrinket? We'll get into that later in the week. Head coach of the Belleville Senators, David Bell, will join us. Mark Mathot will join us, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned for all that here. In the meantime, head over to YouTube, like, subscribe, follow on Twitter at Send Central. And we're trying to pump the numbers on Instagram. We got a lot of big push when I brought that up last Thursday. We'd love to continue that. So please check us out on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team, every day.